Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. It's game day, baby. The 2019-20 Sacramento Kings season is here. It begins tonight in Phoenix. Welcome to the latest edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network. I am Damian Barling. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of what we are building here on the HoopBall Podcast platform. Uh, Hopefully you're a subscriber now. If you're not, you better be. You don't want to miss a single episode. We've got our final preview of the season coming up right now. We're going to talk to James Hamm in just a couple of minutes. The Sacramento Kings will take on the Phoenix Suns tonight. We will have a post-game show for that. Sacramento Kings open the home portion of their regular season at the Golden One Center. We will have a post-game show then. It's a really busy start to the season for the Sacramento Kings as they've got the Suns coming up here uh, tonight. They got the Trailblazers coming up on Friday. They're in Utah on Saturday. Denver, uh, one of the Western Conference favorites, is here on Monday. They got the Hornets at the Golden One Center on Wednesday. Uh, And then they got the Utah Jazz again on Friday. And then they're in New York. So they're not easing into this season at all. They're headed out in a full-on sprint, and I'm sure Sacramento Kings fans are quite relieved that Buddy Heald has signed a four-year contract extension to remain with the Sacramento Kings after much talk about, uh, I was insulted by this, I want it to be fair, uh, I want this, I want that, uh, I, I, I'll entertain options elsewhere, me and my team will have to look at some other things. After all of that was said and done, uh, Buddy Heald winds up signing a deal for four years, $86 million guaranteed. I feel like I'm reporting this like a football contract, it's really weird. I don't ever remember doing this with an NBA contract, but he's four years, $86 million guaranteed. Uh, Most people that reviewed the contract have said that he can make uh, up to $94 million in attainable incentives uh, with incentives that can take him all the way up to $106 million. Uh, Some of that seems to be unattainable. Uh, based on what has been reported, uh, knowing contracts the way I do, I'm assuming um, some of the those financial bonuses are tied to NBA Finals appearances, perhaps uh, NBA Finals MVP, uh, NBA MVP, uh, All-Star Game MVP, multiple All-Star selections throughout the duration of the contract, things like that. Uh, we saw uh, the, the, the biggest part that really stood out for Sacramento Kings fans, I think beyond the total value being a little bit less than what we expected, Uh, is the fact that uh, the contract declines uh, each year and accounts only for, I think, 13.5% of the salary cap in the final year of that contract. And that's really, really important, uh, as we've outlined many times, because De'Aaron Fox's deal is coming up, and there's a belief that he's going to get that big DPE max, and and Marvin Bagley uh, is believed he's going to get that big DPE Emacs as well. And yesterday, uh, Buddy Heald and Vladi Divac both spoke uh, about getting this contract done. You know, I'm just thankful that we got the agreement. You know, just looking at the years coming by, you know, after the trade, Vladi making the trade for me, you know, and his vision and what, what he had on me and uh, everybody around the whole organization and just felt right. You know, I know what I had going on for me here and uh, 
you know, it was a gut feeling decision, but you know, uh, Sacramento is home for me, and I think that the way I've been elevating my career in the past couple of years, I don't think it would have been being the same going somewhere else. And I think that Vlade and Pager and everybody trusting in me, you know, and, and uh, here now with this new team and. I see the direction we can move forward. I think this is the right place for me to be, and uh, and I'm just happy, man. You know, like I say, you know, Sacramento is the city I want to be at. I say that every time, you know, and I love my teammates, and like most of all, I love playing with them too. So it's all about being, uh, being comfortable and being happy where you want to be at, and uh, this is the place for me to be. I mean, like, you guys heard what I said, but as a kid, you know what I mean? Like, me and, me and Vladi have a great relationship, so... Like, it goes back from when, we, when he first traded for me and I just seen the vibe around him and Pager and just being around his organization and Vivek. So it was nothing directly or insulting to Vlad Avery. That's, that's our relationship. And he know how he talks to him and he know how he talks to me. So it's a good bond. I felt pretty good, you know, that either way, you know, that what we built here is special, you know. So this is just something, you know, that we have to figure out. But we, we both and the entire team, we know where we're going to be. And we work together to get there. And it's just one step forward. So I felt very confident that uh, Buddy would be remind the king. Thanks to Sean Cunningham of ABC News for that sound right there. Uh, Buddy Heald, a member of your Sacramento Kings for the foreseeable future. Wayne and Gabriel, uh, he got the 15th roster spot uh, for the Kings as well as all rosters were cut across the NBA. Uh, that surprised a lot of Kings fans, and it was actually uh, much to the delight of many Kings fans as well. Before we bring in James Ham here of NBC Sports, want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast I just mentioned. It's going to be a busy week ahead for the Sacramento Kings. We're going to have a new episode up after every single game, and there's a whole lot of games coming up over the next week and a half, and it begins tonight uh, with the Phoenix Suns. This is podcast one of two uh, that is going to post today, uh, and as I mentioned, we don't want you to miss a single episode. So regardless of the podcast platform that you are listening to us on, make sure uh, you become a subscriber. That's one of the best ways that you could support the show. We're so thankful that you're here uh, each and every single time an episode posts. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts and you have a split second, you can leave a five-star rating. That would be awesome. If you have an extra 60 to 90 seconds and you want to leave us a review, uh, that would be even better. We greatly appreciate it on Apple Podcasts. It's super important, as you know. Uh, there's a lot of Sacramento Kings podcast out there, and the fact that you choose to listen to this one is awesome. And the more you rate it, the more you review it, uh, it gets the attention of, of, of the Apple podcast algorithm, uh, and it boosts us out there. It gets us out there beyond the market of Sacramento uh, and gets uh, more people listening to what's going on here uh, with your Sacramento Kings. So let's bring in my man, uh, James Ham. Always a pleasure to have Hammer on the phone here. And James, uh, you know, we're talking about the Buddy Heel deal, and I – I love this deal for the Sacramento Kings front office, man. I don't know if you can convince me that I'm wrong, but I think this is a great deal for the Sacramento Kings front office. No, it feels like a great deal. Um, I think the only thing, the only way I can talk you out of it is if somehow they sign all these guys and they get up close to luxury tax and then they just aren't very good. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be the, the one mystery. It's that you're signing guys to, you know, lucrative long-term deals before you've actually won anything and 39 games isn't going to cut it. You, you got to get this team closer to 48, closer to 50 in order to get to the playoffs. Um, and so they've got a lot of work to do, but absolutely love it. And, you know, the Kings, they, they held a hard line with Buddy Heald. And I was surprised that they didn't break down a little bit. Um, but I also knew that the numbers that were put out there 
that the Kings that that this deal is being negotiated at it at between the 190 million range, uh, that the Kings were never at that 90 million range. I had heard that a couple of times, and you know he's got incentives that can get him up to maybe 96 million over the four-year deal. But overall, Damian, it's a a very very team-friendly deal for an elite shooter, one of the top five shooters in the league. Was Buddy just in his feelings a little bit last week that led all to all those public remarks to to you and and and, and the Sacramento Bee and and Sean Cunningham and everybody? Was he just that couldn't have been a negotiation tactic because it was a very poor one? Was he was it was his feelings just hurt? You know what, I, Buddy is a very emotional guy, and for us, it's it's great because he's animated and he's fun. He's very funny. Uh, he's very Bahamian. He is just laid back and loose and fun. And I think he just got too emotional. And it's it's tough because you take these things personal, but you can't take them personal. If you're the Kings, you're looking at, you know, I mean, tens of millions of dollars. Uh, you know, they just, they locked him up to almost a hundred million dollar deal. And you can't take it personal when, you know, they're telling you, like, look, we're not going any higher. And if you want to play out the season, we'll just match any deal for you next summer. But we would like you in a long-term stability deal, and you would like to be there. Let's just work together. Um, I, he said some things. It, it's tough to take back. Um, but he also, you know, I'll bring this up. Like, when we had the the press conference with him talking about the, the Bahamas, mm-hmm. and we got to about – three minutes into the press conference and he started talking about bodies floating in the water and like really, you know, like he, he started to lose his way with the conversation and it was just the emotion of taking over. But those are things that you don't want to hear in a press conference when someone's trying to raise a bunch of money. Yeah. Uh, there are realities of the situation and just like, you know, there are realities to, you know, the Kings never being able to sign big name free agent players uh, you know, there's a reality to the fact that uh, De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley are coming right behind him and are going to get the big max money deal. And so he just got too personal. But again, I think it wasn't wasn't intentional. I think he just in the moment, he kept getting just caught up. And then just like whatever would pop into his head was coming out of his mouth. And, you know, I hate to equate all of this to dead bodies floating in the Bahamas, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, yeah. He can't stay on he, message. Yeah. Because he gets too emotional. Yeah. And, and I, and I wondered too, I, I tried to make the point last week is, you know, when, when the numbers kind of got out there that, you know, people were like, well, if, if one is at 110, one is at 90, if you just met at a hundred, it would be okay. But that hundred million, it goes back to the very first point that you made here in this conversation. That extra ten million suddenly becomes thirty million dollars if you're in the luxury tax, and suddenly Buddy Hield isn't a hundred million dollar player; he's like a hundred and fifty million dollar player because of the, all the extra money that you're paying. Well, yeah, and I think it's it's even more nuanced than that. Uh, even if they don't get to the luxury tax, right? But they're still they're still fighting to add players. The difference between, again, the 90 million mark and the 110 million, that's $5 million a year. And that's basically, it's Rashawn Holmes. Do mm-hmm. you want a Rashawn Holmes or do you want a league minimum player? Yeah. And, and that's what it really comes down to that, 
you know, the Kings have to manage the salary cap with realities that maybe Bogdan Bogdanovich doesn't fit into it. Maybe he does. Maybe they can. Well, maybe he doesn't. But, you know, De'Aaron and, you know, Marvin are getting paid. You know, the Harrison Barnes already got paid. And for people who are out there just saying, oh, they overpaid Harrison Barnes. Look, maybe the first year of that contract is big. Uh, but every other year after is a declining scale deal for a guy in his prime, just like the Buddy Heel deal. And I really do believe that Ken Catanella, I mean, there needs to be a statue of this dude out <laughs> in front of the arena if this team makes it, makes the playoffs. Because what he's been able to do with with these contracts, the the three year deals, but the third year's a team option, uh, the the declining scale deals, they're just remarkable. They're they're not something you're seeing out and about in the NBA, in the NBA very often, especially for players that are 26 years old entering their prime and they're, they're taking 8% less per year. It's yeah. just absolutely crazy. Speaking of, do you think, do you think Jamal Murray's deal confused the market? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, he just, he got, sometimes you overpay. Right. I mean, even, even Jalen Brown getting more than Buddy Heald. Look, I, I know he's he's exciting and he's he's you know a nice two-way player, but he's never had the production that Buddy has, and he just got a whole lot more than Buddy Hill did. And so I mean, there's I think you know you play in a big market, you're gonna get paid. Uh, if you're a, a a guy who's on a playoff team who looks like he might be the second best player on a playoff team, you're probably gonna get paid. And, and so I think Jamal Murray is a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I think with these second deals, you're normally like I think for Jamal Murray and 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 Jalen Brown, you're paying for what you absolutely believe they're going to do. I think Buddy Heald, because he was a four year player, it, he's that rare he's that rare occasion where you enter that second deal and maybe you've you paid him for what he did last year and you're hoping that he does it again this year, whereas those other two guys, you expect them to be cornerstones of your franchise moving forward. So rather than calling them max players, you should call them max gambles uh, because yep. it, it feels like that's what both of them are. No, it's a very good point, and I think you know who Buddy Hield is, but I also, if you really look at the raw numbers, Buddy Hield can get better, yeah. and, and people who don't see that, if they just think that, well, that was a one-time thing or that's his cap, no, Buddy Hill could easily average 23, 24 points a game. He could, you know, get his uh, – there are a lot of players like him who, even if they're a second option, have been really good. And I, I think he can he can bump up his numbers a little bit just because of the pace of play and the extra possessions that the Kings have each and every game. It, it really does help. Darren Fox and, and Buddy Hill who are going to get those extra extra possessions every game. And maybe even more importantly for this team, we've seen signs from Buddy Heald where he can be a, a really difficult defender to deal with. Um, you mentioned Bogdan Bogdanovich a few minutes ago. If he doesn't sign by the time his extension, by the time his deadline is here, is like what, what, what would you rate the probability of Bogdan Bogdanovich being on a different team next year? No, I don't, I don't think he's going to be on a different team. I think they love really? him. Yeah, I, I do. I think they love him, and I think he'll be in Sacramento. Um, you got to remember, he's uh, he's a Serbian, just like Vlada Ampesha, and he's a guy that his basketball intelligence is so much higher than the average player. Mm -hmm. And having a guy like that, I mean, basically, 
what he looks like if you look at if you rewind and look at 2004 when Manu Ginobili takes over and becomes like an Olympic superstar and then comes back to the Spurs at like 26 27 years old and then rattles off you know a decade of incredible incredible basketball off your bench you need a guy like that that can score when he needs to but also set up Rashawn Holmes when he needs to, who can get you a stop, can hit a big shot, can play a little bit of defense, uh, who can be a primary ball handler, uh, but also play off the ball. I mean, what, what Bogdan can do, the Kings don't have another player like him. I mean, at, at all. I don't even, I don't think it's remotely close. They don't have another player that can do everything that he can do. And those guys are valuable. Um, you know, the, it's 51.7 or 51.4 million uh, depending on your calculator, uh, that the offer is out right now. They have until June 30th to lock him up to that deal. Um, but it's really just him saying, okay, I'm going to play for that amount. Or I think I can get a four-year 60 uh, during during the offseason. And I just don't see that. The, the problem is the cap is shrinking. It's going to drop a little bit because of the China situation. Uh, but then on top of that, there are only four teams coming into – this time right now that have um, that have 20 million or more in cap space for next summer. That means that there's not a lot of money out there and it's not a strong free agent class, but I think a lot of people will look at Bogdan and say, is he a, a starter? Is he a bench player? Um, am I going to spend 18, 20, 22 million? And I, I don't think they are. So I think the Kings are safe there. And, and that's why we've seen the declining scale contracts that minus 8%. Uh, because what it's what that's doing is it's opening opening up and creating space for players like this a couple of years from now when when the big money hits. Is there a number? I, I know that these aren't often the fun parts of of basketball conversations, but is there a number that the Kings? Because I don't disagree with anything that you just said at all. I I, I completely agree on every facet of Bogdan Bogdanovich. My only question about him was uh, how would they fit him in in terms of the salary cap moving forward? Is there a dollar figure that the Kings won't be able to match? Yeah, I don't think they can hit like the 18 million mark. Um, I just don't think they can. But again, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And, and I'm just not sure that, I mean, look, the guy averaged 14 and a half points a game last year, uh, you know, over four assists, over four rebounds. Um, but that's not someone that on the outside that you would end up paying that type of money. Um, you got to look out for a team like the Spurs if they somehow create space because they love him. Sure. Um, but I just, I just don't see it. I, I think that at least short term, um, you know, you you give the guy the money and, and then you see how it plays out. And if you've got to make a move and trade one of these players down the road, you do it. Um, you don't want to get caught up though in the deals that uh, teams like uh, the Portland Trailblazers have got into or the Miami Heat where they paid a lot of guys who really weren't worth 15 or $18 million a year. And now they're stuck with all these bloated, crazy contracts that Dion Waiters and James Johnson's and, you know, just keep going down the list. There's so many, uh, Turner, Evan Turner. There's a lot of guys that have been paid by these franchises. that just aren't worth it. And I think, uh, Bogdanovich is worth it. You just have to be cap conscious going forward. And, you got to really make good draft picks now as well, because those are going to save you financially. So, you know, the Kings have their draft picks now, and they also have a bunch of second round picks that 
I think they have seven second round picks over the next two drafts and their first round picks. You just got to make really savvy moves with those selections. So you have the next generation when you do start to have cap issues and you can't go out and sign a guy like Trevor Arizo or you can't go out and sign a guy like Dwayne Dedman. Uh, you've got your core and then those other pieces have to help. Is stock go up a little bit when Bradley Beal signed that extension a couple days ago? Did uh, Bo- bogeys. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You know, I think Bradley Beal is, is the best player on his team and he might be overrated, uh, you know, considerably. I think Bradley Beal looks like a better basketball player than sometimes that he is. And maybe that's harsh, but you know, they really haven't been able to win anything there. And they're another team that, you know, we're talking about salary cap issue. It's got too bloated and top yeah. heavy and they're in trouble. Yeah. And, they're a disaster. Just, yeah. I mean, John Wall is going to make, he makes $38 million this year in the first year of a five year max money extension that will go over 50 million. And that guy isn't going to play a single minute in the entire season. And he's going to be a fraction of the player he was before he was, uh, before he was injured. Um, as great of a day as it was on uh, Monday in Sacramento with the announcement of uh, the new MLS team and the announcement of, of Buddy Hill's contract extension, uh, Hammer, some of the best news that, that I got was that Harry Giles practiced. And I felt like Harry Giles has fallen back into this man of mystery over the course of uh, the last few weeks since it was announced he wasn't going on the, the, the India trip. Uh, what what is the status of Harry? Is he okay? Do we need to send get well cards? What's what's going on with the big fella? You know what? It's it's one of those weird ones. They the Kings have gone in lockdown mode when it comes to Harry Giles, and you know Harry's a great kid, um, but it sounds like maybe he didn't come into camp in the best shape uh, of his career. Maybe he. Uh, you know, maybe there were some issues. We, we don't really know the whole story. What we do know is he showed up and on day one, his knee started hurting. And so the Kings uh, have shut him down because they've got to they've got to do what's best for him. And you know, they've got to do what's best for them as well. They've they've invested a lot of money. They have to make a decision between now and October 31st as to whether they would pick up his fourth year contract at like three point six million dollars. Um, but he's kind of put himself in a situation. It sounds like the, the one thing that is really strange for us is that they've kind of hidden him out and we haven't got our hands on him. We haven't talked to him since media day and on media day, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. The next day training camp starts and things go south. And so now we're, we're finally starting to see him, uh, be part of the practice situation, but not full contact. I guess contact yesterday got a little rough. And so they pulled him out as soon as it started getting a little physical. Um, But this is good. You know, he's starting to get back on the court, but he's still a couple of weeks away. If he's just now getting on the court, you know, he's not, he's not uh, in cardio shape like the rest of the team. He hasn't had a full training camp like the rest of the team. And he really, he hasn't bounced a ball. And so, He's got to learn the offense. He's got to learn the defense. He's got to figure out what's going on. Uh, and if there's a moment in this season, which if you look at Deadman and his history of, of injury, there will be a moment where Harry Giles is needed. And then you're going to have to let him like earn his minutes. And, uh, you know, on, on a team this deep, 
nobody gets three minutes, not this year. And, you know, the, the goal is to make the playoffs and they've got to do what's best for themselves as a franchise. And right now, I think that's Rashawn Holmes, at least in the short term. And if Harry Giles can work his way into the rotation, then you make a decision on who that affects, if it's Nemanja or if it's Rashawn or if it's Floyd Deadman, who, who loses minutes in order to get Harry in the mix. And that was actually my next question. Look, you know, after, you know, what did we have, four or five preseason games, it felt like we saw, you know, everything that the Kings fans wanted from guys like Dwayne Dedman and Rashawn Holmes was there. Nemanja Bialica had moments where he looked really good also. And as I'm watching that, and of course, you know, you know, Bagley is the franchise, I started to wonder, man, after, after five preseason games, whenever Harry comes back, how is he going to fit into this? Well, I think the biggest issue, too, is that Marvin Bagley likes to play in the post. He's working on stretching his game out to 15 feet. He can hit a three-point shot, but not consistently. And so you don't really have to defend him out there. So what you need when you have Marvin Bagley on the floor, which is going to be for 32 to 34 minutes a game this season, you have to have a floor spacer. And that it's a problem that the Kings have, <clears throat> excuse me, they're both Holmes and Giles aren't floor spacers and they're going to be tough to play together. We saw Holmes and Bagley try to play together in the last preseason game and it did not look good at all, but the entire key was blocked up. There wasn't a single pick and roll. Uh, that's a game that Holmes started and ended up scoring like two or four points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he really had limited opportunities and the reason he had limited opportunities is because he wasn't playing with side, uh, alongside Nemanja Bielitsa who can stretch the floor and really create that that space for him to do the two-man game. And so that's an issue. And I, I don't know how Harry fits in because, again, Nemanja Bielitsa has really played well. And it's not just – even when he goes cold, what he does for the team, the spacing he creates and sort of his plus-minus, what he adds to the, the mix, he was a very, very big positive last season. And – you can see it on tape, which I know Luke Walton looked at. Um, but also, you got to remember that when the regular season starts and, and the real minutes start to get distributed, that Harrison Barnes is also going to slide over and play a good 12 minutes a game at, at the four. Uh, that's just kind of the way it's going to work. He's going to space the floor just like we're talking about with the Elitza. So where are these minutes coming from? It's going to get really tight. Uh, especially, you know, I think you have to make a decision, Trevor Ariza or Nemanja Bialica, who's going to play. And I think one of those guys is going to lose out. And that's before we even get to the Harry Giles situation. His best bet was to get in a full-fledged competition with Rashawn Holmes and Dwayne Dedman for starting a backup minutes at the center position. But he lost that opportunity uh, because he, you know, his, his knees uh, held him out of the training camp session. You know what the thought process was in giving Gabriel the final roster spot? Yeah, they love him. Yeah, <laughs> fair uh, enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, they invested in winning Gabriel during the uh, during last season. They, you know, they kind of thought they found a diamond in the rough. Uh, he's got an incredible body. And he's got, that's, that kid says NBA body all day long. And yeah. then he went out and he really bolted up. He added a ton of upper body weight. I think I looked at his uh, his player weight at one point. It was 205. And then I think he's playing at least to 220 right now. 
and he's really done the work. And I, I find it interesting, Damian, during the during the preseason when he did get on the floor, he didn't play the four, which is what I thought he would play. He played a lot of three alongside uh, Bielitsa and Rashawn Holmes, and I like it. If he can play the three and he can slide over to play the four, what you have to look at is not really this season. I don't think Winyan, I think Winyan's going to get sent down and play quite a bit of time in Stockton, and that's fine. But I think what you're looking at is next year when you have to make decisions on Bielitsa and on Trevor Ariza and whether you want to lock them in for another year. Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden Winyan Gabriel can shoot 36% from three and he can give you that athleticism, and you know that defensive mindset and all of the length that he brings, he might be a guy that that is a, sort of a, a succession plan for these mm. guys. Okay, okay. You have a slight sidebar here. You're the second person in as many days to tell me that a practice got physical. I heard the same thing uh, coming out of the Boston Celtics practice, and usually that means guys are looking at it. They're they're tired of looking at each other and they're ready to play in a real basketball game. Uh, the season's here. You have covered the Kings for a very, very, very long time, Hammer. Uh, what do you think about this upcoming 2019-20 season for the Sacramento Kings? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This is my 10th season of uh, Sacramento Kings coverage. Um, and my fifth season with NBC. And to be honest with you, this is the, the best feeling going into the season that we've had. Um, you know, I, again, I've covered a lot of losing basketball, which is tough. Uh, and last season's 39 win total was my highest win total covering the team, yeah, which is I'm not, absolutely shocking. I'm not positive, Ham, but I think 10 years in King seasons is actually equivalent to 18 years. Yeah, no, at least. It, yeah. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, they're they're almost like dog years. I think <laughs> it ages you. <laughs> exactly. I don't age. Uh, like, I don't know if you've seen, like, my picture, I, I look the same as when I first started. Um, but the Kings, this is a this is a good feel uh, coming into a season. And I've walked into some seasons thinking some positive things could happen and then watching things unwind. Um, I used to always have a plus minus of seven on my win total uh, because it would if they could avoid the drama, I think they could, you know, at, during the DeMarcus Cousins era, I think they could win 45, uh, but I think that they can't avoid the drama. They could win 31. So my win total would be 38, but with a plus minus because you take into consideration talent and, and everything else. So yeah. I think this is going to be a really good season. Um, you know, I've predicted uh, that I think this team will win around 45 games with the potential to go up to 48. Um, and, and I think that that's fair because I really think that this team – was probably a 42, 43 win team last year. And then they went out and they filled every need on the roster. Uh, That backup point guard spot was a weakness. The center position was a weakness. They brought in two rim protectors. They added depth at the wing. You know, we're no longer talking about walking into a season with Iman Shumpert and Justin Jackson as you're, you're starting and backup small forward. We're talking about, you know, Harrison Barnes and Trevor Ariza. That's just, it shows me that they've got they've got a good plan and they're working hard here to to get better. And it's pretty amazing you haven't aged, given the fact that Gary Gerald is only forty five years old. That's that's just uh, 
Yeah, the G-Man. You know, I, I love I love the G-Man. I love Jerry Reynolds. Those are my they're they're just spectacular human beings, and I hope they do this forever. I I, I agree. I think uh, all Kings fans will sign off on that. Uh, James, you got a hell of a week ahead of you, man. Thanks for carving out time for us. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for uh, for throwing me on the show, Damian. Good to hear from you. Always a pleasure, James Ham, NBC Sports. Uh, you're going to be seeing and hearing a whole lot of him and reading a whole lot of from him over the course of the next week and a half as uh, we outlined a very, very busy schedule to begin the Sacramento Kings season. And it all begins tonight in Phoenix and the home portion of the Sacramento Kings season kicks off on Friday at the Golden One Center. Thank you as always for tuning in. Greatly appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe here to the podcast. We are going to drop another episode tonight immediately following the Sacramento Kings uh, in Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. I'm I'm actually a little bit nervous about this game because remember when the preseason game happened, I openly discussed how bad I thought Phoenix was. And ever since that podcast, I've been fearful that this was the moment it was going to come back and bite me in the ass. I know the Sacramento Kings are going to lose games throughout the year. I don't like them losing to the Phoenix Suns because I just don't believe the Phoenix Suns are good enough. You know how I feel about Devin Booker. If you don't, I think he is incredibly overhyped. I think he's incredibly overrated. Uh, and I think this game tonight uh, is for the Sacramento Kings to win. So, again, thank you so much uh, for tuning in here. Uh, make sure you're back here tonight post game, uh, And we'll be back with more here on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.